This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Kessel, your host with my guest and co-host today, Corbin Hostler. How are you? I am doing well, Alex. Thank you for having me on. We've been recording some uh, some fun content before the show, but I guess we can talk about magic now. Yeah. So, so, so for those who don't know, we do a pre-show for all patrons. We did 20, 20 minutes, 22 minutes of content today uh, about the N64 and Sega Genesis, Echo the Dolphin, Star Fox. If you want to hear that, definitely check out our patron. And, and this episode is brought to you by our patrons at patreon.com slash the MMcast. Super shout out to all of them. Also, uh, we are affiliated by TCG Player. If you hit that TCG Player link below, it helps us out. If you when you buy cards, just click that link beforehand. It it's it's appreciated. Uh, and also just uh, if this is your first time listening, make sure to hit that subscribe button. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more than a second. But uh, Corbin, you're now you're like about to become the MM cast man on the streets. You're going to you're going to be doing <laughs> doing re- like like re- interviews, reviews, deck lists. We're going to Vegas, going to gamble my life away in craps. Uh, <laughs> and today we're going to talk about what tournament magic looks like in the future and what's happening there and all of that stuff as well. Uh, welcome. Yeah, I like I said, I'm excited to be on. I'm excited to talk about magic again because especially magic events and magic coverage, because it's been a minute. It has. I mean, even with the fact that SCG Con did not have, and we'll talk about decklist from that in a second, did not have tournament coverage, we have been in a kind of a position where like I think the last magic tournament actual coverage for paper magic was in t- Reno. Was Magic Fest Reno? Phoenix. Phoenix. I don't think I don't think we had anything in Reno. I think it oh was yeah, 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 yeah. At that point, even then, it was slowing down. So yeah, it's going to be, and it almost didn't happen. So for those who don't know, uh, Corbin reached out uh, to the the world uh, last week, uh, kind of saying, "Hey, you know, Magic Fest Vegas is going to be the first Magic tournament that happens in paper." uh outside of scg con but like major major magic fest-esque event it's not magic fest it's magic the gathering las vegas <laughs> uh it's the gathering uh and but they're not gonna have tournament coverage is anyone out there who wants to help sponsor or make this happen so we can do uh tournament car- co- uh, coverage throughout the event uh i reached out and was like hey we're gonna say it the premier modern podcast uh at least says it on the on the uh, on the business card uh we'd love to work with you to make this happen and 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 what can we do to get to get coverage back because like that's what got us into the game you know i i I got into modern watching deck lists and live streams and tournament coverage and tournament interviews on seg and and uh back then the eight different companies that were doing uh, modern grand prix uh at the time and and like the fact that we were going to go and have a magic event and there wasn't going to be deckless coverage out there and interviews and content was going to be sad. So I'm glad we're able to work together and make this happen. Well, I can't thank you guys enough for stepping up, obviously, because it's huge. Like it's big in the sense that this is the first magic tournament we've had in two years. Modern's undergone a lot of changes, but yet it's actually pretty fun. And a lot of people maybe don't realize that necessarily. And this is going to be a chance to show it off. And it's just so painful to think about that not not only they're not being any video, but not even any, um, you know, sort of the usual text coverage. You know, for those who don't know, I've been doing magic coverage full time since 2014. My goal has always been to look, be a little baby BDM and just meet all the up and coming players and do all the tournament write ups and all this stuff. And it's really what I've like 
kind of dedicated like a decade of my life to at this point as a career. And um, the everyone talks about, you know, the death of Magic OP and all this stuff and the moved online events and the pro leagues and blah, blah, blah. And there's so much to talk about about all that stuff. But at the end of the day, this is also sort of something that I care deeply about. And it's also how I provide for my family. So, um, yeah, it's, it really meant a lot for you guys to, um, and not, you know, you guys stepped up into this. There was so much support from everybody saying, this is something we want to happen. What do you need to do so we can send you there to make this happen? Um, and it felt really good to have that value. So <laughs> I'm, I'm thrilled to be going and, uh, doing what, uh, I, uh, wanted to do ever since I got into magic, which is just do tournament coverage. So. We're gonna have some sweet deck lists, I am sure, from that tournament. Oh yeah, and we're and we're gonna talk a little bit on like what the metagame is gonna look like in a second. But yeah, I mean, it, it's it's you know super important to us. We're super hyped. We're we're hyped to be there. We're gonna we're gonna be on the street, and and it's gonna be really cool. For those who want to know where to, where to catch on on, the, on this, make sure to check out our uh, at the MMCast on Twitter. Also, there'll be links below to the sources. Uh, we're we're locking down exactly where like decklists will be posted and all that content is going to be. But for sure, at the MMCast on Twitter, twittercom MMCast is like the easy place to go to get all that. Um, and yeah, no, you know, like we're we're in a position with the podcast, like you know, we're promoting battle bosses. That's been a big game that yeah. we've been launching and kind of aside with them and the podcast wanting to make kind of stuff like this happen and really kind of get that the word out there and so so we're 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 happy to do it and are really just excited to see like a high-end magic tournament happen again especially focused on modern so so that's 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 going to be super hype we'll have a cool deck list for everyone um and we'll probably even do a follow-up podcast once the event's done kind of going over what happened and what that looked like uh and, and at that point ben should be back healthy as well so it'll be a good good return to form um and but yeah, so so it, it's going to be really interesting. Like, why don't, why don't we talk a little bit of like just like history of, of tournament coverage, where we're at right now, like what kind of happened and then uh, what the future could look like, what what we want it to look like and what it maybe looks like. Yeah, I mean, I can speak to when I got involved. I, I started playing Magic right in 2008, 2009, uh, and I was in college at the time and I was in college for journalism. So when I looked at tournament coverage, just like you did and watched everything, I I I wanted to be a pro and all that stuff, but I also kind of wanted to uh, to be the person there covering it because I had this whole kick about how video games matter. You know, in the sort of the journalism world, it's sort of the idea that uh, news matters and government matters. Sports, they don't matter, right? And that's what I did before before I got into um, esports like I am now. I, I just worked in traditional sports and there was like always kind of that sort of that prejudice, right? Uh, and then you it's uh, even more so for video games. So I just kind of have been on this crusade to prove that all this stuff matters because it impacts people. Uh, and, and that always matters. So um, when we come to Vegas, we're going to have uh, a lot of, of people in the community who are going to be there and um, we want to talk to and show off. In addition to the tournament, it's really going to be just the celebration of the gathering of magic. It feels a lot like the original Vegas in that sense. So um, it's sad that there's not coverage because since there was so much coverage before, um, over the last, you know, five years or so as sort of pro play has gone through twists and turns, coverage has sort of gone alongside that. And we went from a world where we were streaming every Grand Prix, uh, across the world in 2017 or 2018, and it was 50 shows or something. We all worked a ton. We had a big team. We all loved it. Um, things went well. And then, you know, they, I, I think there's been a, a focus from Wizards on the casual side of things outside of the tournament side of things, which makes a lot of sense given how popular Commander is and all of that. And you've seen more resources go towards that and less resources go towards people playing standard and coverage of standard or limited Grand Prix is something that is kind of a casualty of that. And it makes sense, but it doesn't really make it any less sad. And with the pandemic, uh, as uh, Luis uh, Scott Vargas said on, on Twitter, talking about this, um, you know, video coverage has always been kind of a loss leader for events. And in a pandemic, in the world it is now, you're doing these experimental first events back. It's just an expense that I think that was a big ask for a lot of these companies. That's why we're not seeing a ton of coverage uh, of, of anything outside of Flesh and Blood, which is, you know, sponsoring their own 
um, Pro Tour next year. So that's the only place in sort of the tabletop world we're seeing any expansion of tournament coverage. So uh, that's where we're at. I mean, I hope that we get coverage back in the future for Magic. I will say that it's hard to be optimistic given the state of the world and uh, the the fact that we have no idea what organized play or pro play. We don't have any idea what any of that looks like right now. Sure. And, and like we, I've, I've, I've talked to a few friends at wizards and like from their perspective, some of it is just caution. Right. And, and like, even in the world of like toys and stuff, you know, Dallas toy fair, which is normally one of the three key selling business facing events every year, uh, happens in, uh, early October, like literally like we show up September 30th and then the show is like October 2nd. Uh, and the, like it got canceled two weeks before it happened. And it was just because like during September, October stuff was weird and like the Delta variants coming back and back. Like, so it's, it's like just doing single events is mm-hmm. difficult we did gen con and gen con was public facing i think the public facing events are the ones coming back first because the people running it are that like the, the the tickets that you are selling are to people that are coming to the event that could make the decision on their own versus business facing events like toy fair where the people deciding who's going are adjacent corporations that have their own liability so like walmart being like oh i don't want to force my buyer to go to this event yeah. or because if they get sick, I'm liable is different than, oh, I want to go to Gen Con. I want to go to PAX. I want to go to Dragon Con. I want to go to a fab event. I want to go to SCG Con. I want to go to Magic yeah. Fest or uh, Mad- the, the Gathering. <laughs> <laughs> Magic Vegas. I'm going to do this the whole, whole time. Anytime well, I say I Magic Fest. It's, yeah. it's something. Uh, modern Fest. <laughs> um, the, the, I can make that decision for myself. And and those events are uh, liable to make it as safe as possible. And I mean, liable is a strong word, but they're you know, motivated to make it as safe as possible for the people attending and to create an environment that's safe for them with everything that's going on. But public facing things are easier to do right now. And the problem with the pro circuit is it's kind of a hybrid of those two things. Like, yes, right. like open events like Magic Fests are people can show up, but the prize structure of like, you then get invited to a physical event that like is more, I'm paying you to go. Like there's, if you start getting a little bit weird and magic, magic pro tours, magic pro play is a really a two year event <laughs> from like, if you're a player who's starting out grinding PPTQs all the way to being at a pro tour, like you have to have, like events based out of that PPTQ then feeds into an RPTQ in six months that then fed into a, I mean, this system is now six years old, right? Right. Like then that fed into like a grand P circuit that you got pro points for that then would qualify you for an event two six months from then. So like you could win a event today and the eventual end point of that process is two years from then of being on the pro tour and like and all of those direct tournaments that you would be earning your way on along the way so like i don't know how you planned that in covid because like the the alpha uh, whatever it comes out of delta in the greek alphabet i didn't take latin uh the Epsilon variant <laughs> could show up or I get that. I'm assuming that already exists. The Gamma variant shows up uh, and makes everyone into the Hulk. Uh, and, then, and like, then what do you do? And like, I get where that 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 is coming from. I, on the other hand, like this is the other thing that happened at Gen Con. Even them before Gen Con, they did not think that event was going to be popular. In fact, most yeah. of the A-class Fantasy Flight uh Ultra Pro didn't have a booth. Wizards didn't have any content there. Mo- like Warhammer was barely there. It was like the adjacent companies that distribute them. Like most of the big supporters of Gen Con did not show yeah. up. It was just kind of the mid-tier event people who are like either a, like us, literally Battle Bosses was there. <laughs> like we paid for it already. We can't like eat the money being gone without getting actual use out of it for a two and a half year period, especially when like next year, who knows what's going to happen. B, we had a game coming out. C, um, you know, like that, that tier of like, we kind of have to do this or we get points from doing it from Gen Con that maybe benefit us in the future. We're not big enough to be able to just like pay our way into that position. Us getting that grandfathered in process helps. And so we did it still, but from Gen Con's perspective, most of their big supporters aren't there. They're the, the floor print, like, and this was a mistake that they made. The floor print was about half the size. They like 
they they pipe and draped off half the hall. They should have spread everyone yeah. out, but they're like trying to save money at every corner because yeah. they weren't making money. This was a loss leader event for them because it was either make this event happen or Gen Con maybe just doesn't exist anymore. And but what ended up happening is it was the most popular event they've thrown you know in a long time it wasn't as popular as maybe the peak of gen con but it like it tripled what their their expectation for the event was because people want to go to things (laughs) and like they want it like like we're all been cooped up packs happened two weekends before dragon con happened two weekends before the fab event happened the week before that and all of them were not super spreader events all of them had strict mask policies that made it so that people were safe and when people saw those events happen and were like oh that was fine I live in the Midwest. I might as well go to Gen Con. The ticket, there's tickets available for Sunday or whatever. And at the same time, Gen Con handled it. Not badly. Uh, I will say that they were very good at like everyone wear masks, everyone in the hall. But as soon as you left the hall, like they opened the hall 20 minutes early every day because they didn't have a system built out for there to be people waiting to get in. Yeah. And wow. so like, I did not realize it was that crazy there. Yeah, it was. It, and it was, and like, like definitely every day ate in our hotel room, <laughs> my hands were yeah. cracking from hand sanitizer uh, by the end of the show masks the whole time. But the, the, like the, the kind of the point I'm making is that at Gen Con, they spent the bare minimum amount of money at every single yeah. opportunity. If something was auxiliary or wasn't something that they thought was a necessary cost, they were cutting it and, and to the time, but sometimes at detriments, including having lines to make sure people like were getting into the hall orderly and literally cutting half of the hall down because instead of spreading booths out so that it was a little bit more social distant, you like didn't have to pay for the carpeting for half the hall. Right. Yep. <laughs> and, and which like in their defense, that's like a 30 grand expense they saved, but it still like was, you know, choices that were that's made. Where we're at. That's where things are at while people are trying to find their foot. And, and so when it comes to SEG con, when it comes to this event, not having coverage, as you said earlier, previously, which was a, this is a advertising expense in a, yeah. for a thing that we don't, that we're kind of doing loss leader, partially because we're also sharing that cost with wizards let's not do it yet. Let's see if these events even exist and if they're popular. And and like, especially looking at SCG Con, where before Channel Fireball announced that they were doing this event and that it was vaccine mandated, SCG yeah. Con wasn't ma- ma- vaccine mandated and also is Halloween weekend, which has its own weirdness <laughs> around it. But they like the vibe about it wasn't super positive. Now it ended up, they, they went to vaccines and it ended up being a, a, a relatively successful event even then, but it was definitely something that I can imagine they put their foot in the water to see if they can make it happen. They didn't want to lose that side. They wanted to see what the world was like getting back into it. Events are starting to happen. New York toy fair is happening. Knock on wood <laughs> in February. So like SES is, or CES, CES is happening. There was a pot convention this week. <laughs> uh, well, yeah. And the, the, the big news this week is that uh, children can get vaccinated. So I can tell you that for our house uh, with kids, that is a big deal in terms of what we're willing to travel to. So. Yeah, I think you're right. Things are things are coming back. So um, I think that, you know, when it comes circling back around to magic coverage, I don't think magic coverage is dead. And I don't think where we're at now, you know, tells you that. I think that it's going to be a long road back for Wizards organized play. But hopefully before then, we at least see some opportunities from these bigger companies. Now, there are some magic tournaments out there that are doing video. Shout out to NRG um, events that they've been they've been streaming. They have a a weird the, kind of a different remote setup that they've kind of innovated. So there are companies out there in magic space trying to make it work in this time, but yeah, it's, um, it's, it's just going to be a long, slow road back and we don't know what the future looks like. You know, I'm doing it this way and look, I don't, I don't agree and I don't want crowdfunding of any kind to be the method for which the community gets coverage in the future. That is not um, how any of this uh, should be. Uh, so, you know, with that said, this is a tough time for everybody. And I'm just glad that we're able to step in and, and, and make something happen here. So, right. Right. And, and though I will say, you know, one of the things about magic coverage that always kind of hamstrung it, and then, and you can correct me if I'm wrong on this, you've in, 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 on, 
on the ground experience, but was the fact that because it's directly coming and, and some amount of the dollars or some amount of the tournament organization was directly coming either from Wizards of the Coast or organizations that are using these events as advertising for their own product. Star City Games is another example. They're selling their Star City Games brand <laughs> and their store. But because these things are those, the ability for sponsorship or interaction of other medium to be a part of these yeah. experiences has always been very weird and, and at yeah. mostly not allowed, right? Like even to the extent of like an ultra pro sponsorship or uh, ultimate guard or, you know, stuff that's not necessarily competing with magic, even that is difficult and problematic. And so it's always been a weird barrier where like, I can't strap a Coke, a cola logo or a Red Bull logo onto my play mat and play in coverage. I like have to be within specific frameworks. And so maybe the future is something like this, where there's there's separate coverage teams that are covering things being sponsored by outside groups that then, you know, like partner with Wizards and partner with with Channel Fireball, but then are able to be a little bit more autonomous. Maybe it's more integrated and we go back to the old system. Um, That's always been kind of like an interesting dilemma is that magic is a product game it's not like basketball where the sport of basketball isn't owned by anyone so you can slap logos on it (laughs) i mean it basically has to be your league of legends model where it almost just has to be subsidized by the um by the parent company um you know or the company running the event like the an analogy would be working for doing direct work for say an overwatch league team or something like that a league of legends franchise but you know it's the same thing where everything sort of flows back through the parent company because that's just how these that's how that's sort of the the original sin of the esports world why it'll never be football um is that someone owns it (laughs) somebody always owns uh whatever's um whatever's being sold yeah it's uh so it's i mean it's obviously not really hamstrung the growth of esports or anything but it's just it's an interesting dilemma. Um, and that's where things like franchising and stuff like that comes right. in. And, and company policy is part of that, right? Like with other franchises, like League of Legends lets other companies sponsor teams, right? You can have some yeah. amount of outside sponsorship. You can't, Dota can't be one of them, but like there's a lot more of like open sponsorship there. And like Magic has always just not been as allowed to do that for whatever reason and some of it is is audience size has never been large enough where they have been able to garner the bigger ones but even the smaller ones are stuff that could have gotten there and just has never really gotten all the way across but um the other thing i want to talk about before we get into trivia because i want to do trivia because that's how this podcast works Mm -hmm. actually let's do that right now uh let me put thing all right so for those who don't know uh including corbin because he hasn't heard the rules yet uh we do a game of trivia and it's a game of trivia with each other but also with you the audience and the way this works is uh corbin normally i ask our guest or ben a trivia question and uh and in asking also you the audience and you have to comment below your answer you're making a bet though if you get it wrong you have to hit uh like and subscribe gotta hit both of those buttons if you're already subscribed you don't have to hit subscribe but you definitely have to hit the like button uh and then if you get it right you don't have to do that we appreciate it if you do it of course but you don't have to you've won you, you got one on us you can subscribe next time when you get it wrong uh but make sure to come back <laughs> uh there's a lot writing on this trivia question now there's a lot all of our subscribers are writing on on, on this trivia question right now and then all him and Haas so will give you a chance to comment below uh but today i am being asked to trivia corbin is in charge he is the quiz master hat uh so come at me what's what's your magic trivia what you got all right i'm ready i'm ready all right what is the first colorless non-artifact creature to be printed? Ooh. I can give you more details if you want them. It's it's. I didn't just pull this out of left field. This is a known card for this reason. Colorless, so it can't be like uh, uh it's not it's it's not that courier that I think he, that is an artifact anyways. But the like it's all colors. Yeah, it's no, not, it that. not that. Um, do you, so you, I do get a hint. I can give you a hint. I can give you a set if you'd like. All right. Let me see if I can think of this. Okay. So it, 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 it sh- it's, I want to say it's not an Eldrazi because if it was an Eldrazi, this would be an easy question and hard too. Cause like there's like 80 of them in one set. So it has to be something uh-huh. that wasn't, wasn't specific. Yeah, on the right track. Um, uh-huh. It, it feels so like, and, and I, I think it's pre, 
like the world of Ugin. So it's not it's not like Ugin's construct or Ugin's whatever adept or the dragon baby Ugin. Ugin's like child <laughs> spawn. Um because like Ugin's post Eldrazi. So right. this is you are right. You're on the right track. This is uh it is pre-Eldrazi. I'm gonna give you this might be a giveaway. This card had errata within uh, a week of release. Oh, so uh, it was printed as not an artifact, but it became an artifact? Yes. Oh, 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 it's, uh, I know all of its abilities. Oh, now I have to name a card name. So it taps to make an equipment attached to a creature. <laughs> right? Nope, no equipment oh, no. involved. You tap to put a land card from your hand. Yeah, on yeah, the yeah, yeah, yeah. You tapped. It's, it's, yeah. It's from Zendikar or Worldwake. It's from Zendikar it's Block. Like yeah, yeah. It taps yep. to do a thing. Uh, I'm not gonna know what it's called. It's a, right, it's a I construct, got, right? It is a construct. It is a construct. So it's just you creature. It's just creature construct. And it was, it was in Worldwake, and we knew Eldrazi was coming, so we thought it was like some cool hint at the Eldrazi. I remember when this happened. So it is an artifact creature, though. <laughs> well, here's the thing, though. Is it? Because at the time. Wizards was really into some uh, guerrilla marketing tactics. Mm. And this was the point of history where they really would take cards from future sets and insert them into random booster packs of previous sets so that people would open them randomly in the wild. Well, famously, like Eye of Ugin and, and Eldrazi Monument, right, were literally that. Like two, two cards from these sets did the thing. And so it's very likely that, okay, what's the card name? We, I don't think we said it. Walking, walking Atlas. Walking Atlas. Yep, I know this card. Oh, well, I, I got so there. Is it, is it an accident that Walking Atlas was a colorless creature right before they printed Eldrazi? I don't think so. Uh, I, I, I want to know what chat has to say about it. Now, I do think if I were to put my money on it, I would say that it was meant to be an artifact and it was a printing error because it. I, I feel like they would have used the new border. I feel like they would have. I, I don't know, though. <laughs> I mean, they they errated it, so it certainly um, you know they 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 said it was a printing error, but uh, we're hard at work. We're hard at work, you know, and it's not going, like Wizards doesn't beyond the wooden word here. Like Wizards makes printing errors, right? Like even the most recent set in in Crimson Vow, there's the like vampire that currently just gets plus yeah. one plus zero forever, but yeah. has yeah. Been, yeah. Um, and yeah, then certainly had some. Uh, a number of cards that just go through printing errors. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so look, that's what some might say, but you know what? I want to believe. Yeah. Okay. I'll give it. I'll give it. I'll give. I'll give the trivia thing. So yes. Yeah, so if you uh, did not get it right, you also subscribe. Even if you disagree on whether it was colorless ever or not, that's it's, that's not the way this game works. <laughs> so subscribe oh, look, is ours. Look, if you came up with an Eldrazi, you're technically right. Whatever. Is but there this is a bunch of magic trivia? Is there it a is a nice Is there because like Ghost Fire was like what I was thinking of? I was like trying to think if there was a time spiral. Actually, what I was really oh, actually, I disagree. I think it's a morph creature. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we're getting if we're getting this hair pulley, <laughs> like a card that was errated within two weeks. Like morph creatures existed and were not artifacts. I just think it's always a fun, it's just a fun little piece of trivia that Eldrazi were not, in fact, the first printed colorless, uh, colorless creature. Colorless. Well, and that's why, that's why I'm making my morph argument. Uh, yeah, that's I guess, I guess. Those have a color identity. You ghost fire is an argument. Like Zoetic Cavern is what I'm thinking. That is a land. But it's but it's not an artifact and, and it's colorless and it is a creature at times and you cast it as a creature. You can counter it as a printed creature card. Um, I'll give you, it's been a minute since I considered Zoetic Cavern. I'll give you that one. Essence Scatter, legal target for Essence Scatter, colorless. You can target it with Essence Scatter and that counter spell that can counter colorless cards. Strong point. Strong point. It's all I'm saying.
Um, all right. So so that is the trivia section of today. Now, I, I do want to get into um, specifically modern coverage because I do want to kind of get into a little bit of that conversation because because you talked about yeah. limited. You talked about um, the the like standard falling by the wayside as far as protocol coverage, which is which is a little untrue in the sense that paper standard coverage kind of went away because a lot of that moved towards arena based tournament play because at this point from wizard's perspective standard is almost more of an arena format than it is it a paper format seems like an arena format you know uh, without getting too deep into the weeds the the select the standard formats that wizards has selected to show on coverage over the past year have been perplexing to say the least and we're getting standard formats in the last two weeks of their existence right before rotation we're getting standard tournaments right before new sets release it it it's not made a lot of sense um from a coverage perspective sure those formats that have been featured um in terms of what we've seen on the arena which means basically we've seen historic gameplay in dead standard formats for the past 18 months and that's it well it's 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 and like it's always been an interesting game plan problem right wizards the history of Pro Tour coverage has always been a weird debacle because Pro Tours ruin formats. <laughs> yeah. Like Wizards has admitted that Pro Tours were ruined formats, right? Because you're putting the smartest magic players on the planet, incentivizing them to the greatest possible level to try and make it so that everyone knows exactly what the metagame is of a format. And the fact that yep. modern pro tours were canceled for a while because wizards was worried about how every time they did a modern pro tour, it broke the format yeah. and standard used to just be like every week. It would be like, you'd have three weeks of standard when no one would know what was good. The pro tour would happen. And then everyone would know what was good. And then that deck would be the good deck until the next like major event. Or if something weird happened now, the like, you know, we've always said mono red is the most successful deck of all time. And if you look at every modern pro or every, every magic pro tour, it's uh-huh. like just has the most top eight finishes of any deck archetype, partially because you know what works when you don't know what's good. <laughs> Murdering someone. <laughs> you don't, it doesn't take that much. It takes effort. It takes a lot of effort, but it doesn't take a lot of effort to figure out that, oh, if I play all of the best red cards and try and kill them as fast as possible, the control deck might not be able to figure out what they need to be doing in time. And like so that has been a benefit like that that is one thing standard metagames even though they don't always get solved but that's always been an issue and then at the same time it's kind of the most bore like that's the only interesting time to do it right because your point a dead format is always going to be really lackluster i'm not watching it to learn i'm watching it because i kind of want to see what happens and how many people want to see what happens to random pros playing Magic Arena, I think, is a lot lower than the amount of people that are watching it to learn what they could be doing to play Magic better. Right. And and what's interesting is that, I mean, it makes sense as Commander has driven more sales and that side of Magic has blown up in a way that Wizards can monetize is the important thing. We've always known that casual play drove Magic, but Commander has given them and, you know, things like Secret Layers and so on has given them a way to monetize that. And that is why, you know, I fully expect when events come back, we'll have plenty of Magic Fest type events, Command Fest type events. I just don't know how many, um, you know, modern Pro Tours we're going to see. Right. Now, I will say this. So I did, I did uh, before the world shut down, I did do the Command Fests. And then I, I and I went to the, like that year was the most magic events I'd ever gone to in my life. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it, it was a fun year. It was a I good no year. It was going to be the And, and Command Fests, I, I think that the model of what Magic Fest Reno was is going to be the like successful version of a fest, right? Where yeah. the problem with Command Fests is like they were hyper-focused on Commander, Mm-hmm. But to the extent that they didn't have mystery boosties, literally mystery boosties launched or mystery booster packs, but launched two weeks before that at the event that happened. And then the enrichment yeah. and then magic uh, command fest DC didn't have them, but every other grand prix did. And it was kind of like, why can't I just draft yeah, here? Like, yeah. and like, and, and it's a mistake from the other hand, because like 
that's one of the main ways these events make money is selling product in packs and or buying product in packs. And there's mm-hmm. no the command fest didn't have a good incentive for that versus the other end of it where like even if you just did a big limited ter- tournament, right? Like uh, and we're, we'll talk about why modern should be the one that all these things are in a second. But <laughs> um, even if you just did a big limited event, then anyone can show up. They can play in the 5K limited tournament and then just have the command zone. The command zone is such a perfect solution to that problem that solves all of your issues. Now I have greater, like we've had whole podcasts about how I think people should be charged to go to command command fests in general, like actual have them be turned like actual festivals. Now with those come with a bunch of content that is now being able to be paid for, including coverage, including panels, including, you know, what magic fest Mm -hmm. Vegas and Seattle was in that last year, where you have a bunch of content creators, you pay cosplayers, you play artists, you don't have artists protesting events. (laughs) That's that's the best version of a magic event by far. And, and so, but like, I think a tournament being attached to it, a bunch of different versions of events that are available is the best version of it. I think the command fest Mm -hmm. experiment is best as just a, Maybe maybe make it a bigger focus, make the command zone a real important part of Magic Fests. But I think a Magic Fest model is still what I would recommend. You just are going to get larger audiences, um, which is the only way to make these successful. Now, why modern should be <laughs> the main focus of everything. Uh, as modern's always been the best format to watch. And that that's where I'm at. the best experience. So, yeah. So so I've said this a lot, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on modern coverage, viewership, watching experience, why it's the best or why it's not the best. I can tell you that I have this. This is probably the best way to sum up how people feel about modern from a coverage perspective is I have friends who haven't looked at new standard cards in literal years, like three, four, five years. But these these guys still have their modern decks from five, six years ago built. And they'll still ask me occasionally what's good in modern right now. Modern has always captured people's attention because it is so diverse. The the strategies are so different. And a lot of it is because people felt like they could build their deck and pick their deck and play it forever. And I don't even know what that looks like after the pandemic. But from a coverage perspective, people always wanted to root for their deck to do well because people really identify with whatever they most like to play. And that's why modern has always been so popular with groups of with with magic players. While it's not necessarily been that popular at the top level of the pro community, because like you said, they would come together two weeks before a pro tour. They figured out how to break the format. They break the format <laughs> and then they they move on. And they felt like, you know, the, the complaint from the pros in modern for a long time was that, uh, you know, linear matchups and you had to choose your sideboard cards. And if you just didn't have the sideboard cards for a particular matchup, you'd auto lose to it, blah, blah, blah. And I think modern's come a long way since then. So that's not as much same complaint. But even while pros were not on modern, the community has always had modern as the highest viewed event, the most interest online. It's just always been the most popular one. So look, if you ask me every, that's why I was shocked that there was no video coverage of this because it's modern. Right, this is, right. It's the it's one format to do that for. what people care about. Yeah. Well, it and, get bigger than- and like to answer the kind of the pro concern, the times I've asked this question to magic pros, their favorite standard format on of all time is the Cobblade standard. And it's because yeah. every deck was Cobblade and it was a chess match between two players being very, very good at knowing who's going to be better at playing Cobblade. Yeah. And the more like the the better the pro or the better the experience for a pro player the worse the experience for viewership almost like like it's a directly in uncorrelated graph because pros don't want format diversity they want every deck they play against to be a matchup that they know in and out therefore their skill level which is higher than most other people or they think it is at least (laughs) um to take advantage of the matchup in the best way possible versus random people playing in a tournament or watching a tournament where I don't want to see the same deck every format. In fact, it, a modern tournament where I'm only seeing the same deck is the one that I, I start talking about banning cards. <laughs> yeah. uh, and that's why, and that's also one of the reasons I think that interest in modern coverage has always been high because the pros would kind of come along and play whatever deck is the most broken deck or whatever, but someone out there is still playing their affinity deck or their, their blood, their blood moon deck. and. You know, just think about the history of modern. I've been fortunate enough to be there for some of the, what I think are some of the coolest moments in the format's history. GP Charlotte, I was walking up and down the tables on day two. This is before we had 
electronic deck lists or anything like that. There's no way to look. Just walking up and down the tables. And I came back to the person I was working with and I was like, I just saw a codex shredder on table 14. And that was the event that Zach top 64 with Lantern. I was the one who like broke that deck. I mean, this is, this is the, the exact kind of coverage we'll be doing in Vegas. I found Zach. We did a deck tech. I broke that deck to the world. Lantern control wins GP Oklahoma City six months later, and Zach is Zach Elsick. And that's no, no, that's we, something we, that came, came as a result of just having somebody there on the floor after, doing coverage. After so, you're able to find that deck, we literally had him on the podcast. He, I think it was top 16 even, and he was like, this is the best deck in the format. I have no, and we're like, oh, what's your bad matchup for this deck? And I was like, there isn't one. And we're like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, buddy. <laughs> like, you're playing Codex Shredder. There can't be no bad matchup. And then literally, like, three weeks later, he wins the GP with it. And I'm like, well, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I guess well, I was... that's, that's what's so cool is about Modern is that the point is, like, the pros are going to come in and play whatever that deck. They're going to play Amulet Titan. They're going to play whatever the most broken, powerful deck is. But someone out there is still playing their brew. And, like, that Lantern Control moment was a cool one. The first time Scred Red ever top aided a GP. So many people tuned in. Let's just see if Scred Red could beat all these Jun decks that were top of the field or whatever was popular at the time, right? Yeah. Um, in modern, because just because of the way modern's historically worked with people identifying with deck archetypes and uh, sticking with decks for long periods of time, it's it's created an interesting, you know, it, that's why I think it's it's always had so much interest. It's, it just has a lot of good dynamics going for it on the player side and the the game side. Well, no, I mean, we've talked about we were talking about this with uh, the professor a few weeks ago when we had him on and like modern and we've done for the last four weeks, we've done like a series of like how to get into modern or like a beginner's guide Mm -hmm. or like easy ways to buy into it. Uh, And, you know, kind of the point was like and the greater overall philosophy is it is better to be great at your niche deck than it is to be playing right. the best deck in the metagame. Uh, like, right. and if you look at the history of modern Grand Prix, top eights prove this all the way through. The amount of like random weird decks that do well are not like, like the amount of times Merfolk has won a Grand Prix. I mean, we brought this up with the prof, right? Like he's not going to shut up about it. You're, you're also on this train. <laughs> and like, it's not because Merfolk is ever like, oh, it's well positioned in the metagame. It's no Merfolk players know how to play their decks better than everyone else. And like, it's very easy when you're very good at your deck to know how to beat the best deck because that's like, oh, I can play 10 games against the one deck I need to be good against. That's right. new. I've learned it. Great. And then, but they don't know how to play against Merfolk because <laughs> they like were te- like, if there's like five best decks, right. I'm testing against those. And like, I think the amount of like, I like, I remember this very distinctly. Andrew Brown, who also now works at Wizards, like mm-hmm. walked up to me at Grand Prix LA and I was like, I was playing this like Tezzeret build and it was not very good. <laughs> but uh, a friend of mine was playing Merfolk. I was like, oh, uh, what, what's this place playing Merfolk? And like, he's like super hyped. Do you think he's like well positioned? Andrew Brown was like, oh, no way. That deck's trash. Not, not going to win. No way. <laughs> and then it won. <laughs> it won the whole event. And it's like, I told you so. <laughs> but like also I like. Think, I, think, I think you summed it up when you say that it's more important and modern to be good at your deck than to play the best deck. I think that it, I think that's a one sentence summary of why modern is the most popular form right and i think from a viewership perspective there's also a little bit of a level of like oh i know what these cards are i think like a limitation i always run when i walk walk into a standard tournament is unless i'm a like i'm in a mode where i'm just like playing limited or paying attention to standard a lot of the times it's a bunch of cards that like Oh, I guess I remember that two mana one one that becomes a four one when you pay life maybe (laughs) or like oh that draft common is actually good like there's like a bunch of cards or it's like oh it we're like it's ramen up ruins again we've played against the same red deck like i remember i mentioned this last week too but i remember doing the coverage for it was a um a twitch rivals event when wizards was doing those Mm -hmm. and it was uh and it was like right after it was like ixalan but it was after m whatever the core set at the end of Ixlon block was. And so uh, like a, a, a three mana Soren that lets you cheat in a vampire was like a thing. So like red, yeah, yeah. Black, yeah. white, black, white vampires was a deck. Uh, uh, Field of the dead was the other main deck. 
And at the beginning of the tournament, it's like, ooh, cool. Like every deck's different. And then by the end of the day, uh, it was my 17th match with black, white vampires versus black, white vampires. And uh, <laughs> you eventually run out of things to say that are interesting <laughs> about that matchup. So it's yeah. versus modern where like, even if you have a format where 50% of the metagame is the same deck, which has like happened in Eldrazi Winter and Hogak. <laughs> like they're still running into cool decks. You're still seeing stuff that's really exciting. And people and people recognize the cards. No one like you can have stopped playing magic for the last three years, watch a modern yeah. Grand Prix and be like, oh counterspells being played. I mean, that's new, but <laughs> fact, that would probably be pretty exciting. <laughs> like, yeah, like oh counterspell's still good. I would have figured that card like the amount of times I'm like, oh yeah, Thoughtseize is still like the best discard spell of all time. And they're like, oh, I like owned the I own those, like four of those. I'm like, yeah. they're great. They're like 30 bucks right now. Um, they haven't gone down as many times as they've tried reprinting them into the ground. Um so yeah, I think I think just like modern has this timelessness is almost kind of the way I want to say it when it comes to viewership as well. well where it certainly did, you know, sure. In the pre-Euro days, right? I think I think we're in a good spot again. But Modern Horizons 2 has, uh, you know, we, we're in a new, we're sort of like in a new, look, if, yes. if Modern's always gone through very drastic, not drastic, but it's gone through different eras. Um, and, and when people talk about the golden age of Modern, which is something people used to, everyone thinks that time and then they think of a different time. Right, right. Right. And I think that th- this modern is different and new, but you know what? It's pretty fun. And right. this is, this is modern and it still features a lot of the same cards just in with, you know, some different shells. Yeah. We, we talked about that, right? Like if you were a splinter twin player, you're a lot of the expensive cards you had back in the day are still good in that deck. It's now you need to have also gotten Merktide regents and Ragavans, but like your blue red mana base, your snapcaster mages, etc., are still like a thing that's worth playing. If you've been on the blue-white control train, there are times where that deck has been bad. Now is not one of those times. It's great. <laughs> uh, and so there's always like, like even affinity where there's like budget affinity lists that were doing well. There's affinity list that five owed a few weeks ago, a modern daily. Like there's all these lists out there, like an end to the point there. Like Merfolk has never been talked about as if it was positioned well, but it randomly will win a GP. And like, that's still true in the format. So I don't think we've ran away from it. Um, that does, that does, unless we have anything else we want to say about modern coverage, that does curtail pretty neatly into the last thing I wanted to talk talk about uh on this episode before we just start hyping up magic fest vegas uh our magic the gathering las vegas uh is we have had a paper mod magic uh modern tournament in fact we had two at seg con and i think the results are really fascinating and kind of talks towards this because there was an invitational which was all pro players who just have access to every card they could ever want and just picked what they thought were the best decks of the best players and then there was Mm a uh, mythic championship qualifier so that's a, an open event anyone can join all the players are playing their key decks and the top eights of these two tournaments and i'm gonna screenshot both of these and send them to rick our editor and marshall so that they can put them up here are dr- drastically different and like if you look at the invitational it's one two three four five six seven different companion decks and just guy mid range, <laughs> and as as like a, a which is a, a Ragavan Merktide region deck, right? And then, but then if you look at the uh, championship qualifier, you have Orzov, Hammer Lurus, Just Guy Control, Burn, Demir Mill, Just Guy Mid Range, Infect, Four Color Blink Yorion, and Four Color Creativity, which is the it, it cheats. Um, this one's even more interesting. The old ones were cheating uh, Emrakul in the play, but this one is playing. Uh, indomitable creativity which is x red 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 sorcery destroy x target artifacts or creatures for each permanent destroyed this way its controller reveals cards from the top of his or her library until an artifact or creature card is revealed and exiles that card those players put the exiled cards onto the battlefield and shuffle their library and then it plays stuff like sunset revelry and hard evidence uh and um just like different cards that let you create creature tokens and then uses that card to sacrifice it to get primeval Titan in play. That's like kind of the big new tech. Previously it was like Emrakul's that they were trying to do. And this one seems yeah. to be less of a glass cannon and more just like a decent control deck that's playing Teferi Time Revelers, Ren and Sixes, a bunch of good removal and card draw spells, Indomitable Creativity, and then Primeval Titan just kills them with Valakut. And it's like a indomitable Valakut dwarven mind it's got, deck. It's got, dwar- <laughs> it's got dwarven mind. What more could you need? 
Uh, this is this deck is so sweet. I like love this deck a lot. <laughs> um, it, it takes a lot to get me to play. I, I used to say this when I do when I did mining modern. Um, it takes a lot to get me to play a primeval titan deck in modern because I'm just so so tired of primeval titan. I, I've just been playing against primeval titan since it was in standard. I'm just over primeval titan. That said, this is a pretty cool way to play primeval titan. Oh yeah, I mean like there's there was a there's a time warp featured like Yorion blink deck. There's there's like mill won the event. So like and and this yeah. is kind of the point I'm making. The invitational is a 100% pro event. So but it looks like it's the premier event of these two events. So when you look at that list, it looks like oh modern's broken right now. Like that, <laughs> that format presented looks heinous. <laughs> like, like yeah, it, it pretty bad. just like Grix's Death Shadow with Luris, Orzo's Hammer's Luris, Azorius Control Kihira, Azorius Control Kihira, John Midrange Luris, Jeskai Midrange, Grixis Midrange Luris, and Azorius Control Kihira. That's one, two, three different Kihira decks, <laughs> uh, control decks, and one, two, three, four Luris decks. Uh, that sucks. But <laughs> that's partially because every single person in that event is a pro player who has a 100% access to whatever cards they want. Not totally true. That's that's a grandiose statement, but like a, a significantly large. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like like a, a, if you're invited to a tournament, if you don't have the cards you need, you can borrow them from friends and the few cards you need to have the best possible deck is what you're going for. And often this isn't their format of choice. So they're looking at what's the metagame. If I do a bunch of testing, what deck should I be playing and what can I just. Brad, Brad Nelson's just going to play Jund, so. Yeah, that one's straightforward. <laughs> and and this, now he gets to play with Luris. <laughs> uh, it is how how unboomery is it? Never mind how many times Brett has sworn off Jun to me. He said I'll never I'll never play it again. Here he is, top top eighting with Jun. Yeah, well, because it's good again. It's you say I'm never going to play Jun again when you have the tournament where because you're playing the 55 percent against the field deck, you lost mm -hmm. that. You had the 45 percent experience. <laughs> uh, but now Jun is good, so play Jun. Um, but there was like the, the the quantity of players that were in that tournament that were like, I have my thing that's different than what everyone else is. I know how to play right. this deck. I'm better on it is going to be a lot lower. And versus right. the Mythic Championship Qualifier or the open event at uh, Magic the Gathering Las Vegas. <laughs> like you're just going to run into the much larger library of a bunch of different people playing a bunch of different decks and have a much higher chance of doing well. Yes, Orzov Hammer yeah. Luris did really well. And honestly, in that type of event, if you're wanting to win it, I would recommend going with something with a more proactive game plan like Hammer Time. But Jeskai Control, Burn, Demir Mill, like it's a much wider, like Infect did well in this in event. Fact, this is just a sweet top eight. Yeah. Right? Like, <laughs> so this is just a classic modern top eight. That's just full of exactly what we've spent the episode talking about. Demir Mill. I mean, that's been coming back, but like, don't know if I don't know if I'm going to call Mill for a top eight. Same with Infect, right? Like, these are just it's just a nice classic modern event. Yeah, and like, like Come and, on. and you have a few of the like insane plays of just expense, like, but even even the Jeskai Controlist isn't a Kira version of it. It's or is it? Oh, no, it is. It's a Kihira version, but it's playing Solitudes, which I think is it. Uh, that makes sense. This is all all mm -hmm. relatively what you would expect. But um, let me go back. <laughs> but even uh, it was the mid range list that I clicked on earlier. That was like interesting. Even like the mid range list is like season pyromancers, Esper Sentinels. Like it's they're all doing really cool things in in ways that are different. And it's not I don't I'm, I'm really excited for this event. I think like going into it. Like, even if you look at the MTG Goldfish list, like, there's what the standard stuff that's out there, and there, you're going to run into it. But availability is going to come up way more often at this event. Yeah, there's going to be a lot fewer Ragavans in that room than there are in the um, Star City Invitational. Right. And, and, on, and, and on top of that, like, that means the decks that are currently on, like, MTG Goldfish because they're 5-0-ing dailies are not going to be as successful because they're specifically tuned to do well against Ragavans and Merktide regions. True. True. Like if like, oh, I have my Merc Tide region and Ragavan matchup down strat and then like random person shows up with infect. Yeah. I mean, look, the reality is it's probably no more than like 15% for any given deck at the event, right? Max. I mean, I maybe I'm wrong on that, but it feels like people just have no clue what to play right now outside of a bunch of Ragavans. So it 
you, you could play, you'll play nine different decks on day one. Oh you yeah. Know? It's, uh, well, and like there's, there are going to be a ton of Zach L six at this event, like of uh, the person who has been working on their list, like is pissed that they're like, like the Re- the Orzov reanimator deck, maybe like it wasn't getting enough love and has been mastering it. Or even like old mm-hmm. affinity player that are like, no thought monitor is dope. <laughs> You're all wrong. Oh yeah. They're all really dope. <laughs> or like food could make a comeback, right? Like there's, there's, there's such an, uh, like a wide range of possible options here. And we haven't had a paper event. Paper magic is different than online magic and is different than pro level play magic. And I, like, do I think obviously the invitational is something to point to? There's a reason those pro players are playing it. Like Luras based Jund and Gr- and Grixis Control are probably amazing decks that you could do very well with the tournament with, and in the long run could become a problem. Yes. Do I think at this event that's going to be the deck that I'd be keeping an eye out for to win the thing? I don't think so. I think like you're going to run into a lot of really cool stuff, and I'm excited for us to share it with the world. That's right. <laughs> Specifically, so. <laughs> Like, definitely, if you're excited to see what's going on, I'm really hyped to watch it. Make sure to follow us, follow Corbin, follow me uh, at the MM cast, at Kess Wiley and at Chosler, just straight up. Right. We you got rid of the 88. Uh, that's we, we ran a Twitter campaign. <laughs> uh, a very kind soul gave me the Twitter handle. It was, it was a very nice story. One of my favorite moments of the internet was when that guy responded being like, oh, yeah, here. <laughs> yeah, after, I, think it was, I don't remember exactly. I think it was a decade or more. His last tweet was about how he was going to lunch. <laughs> we got him about a decade later to give me the Twitter handle. Amazing, um, amazing internet story. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and yeah, so so um, I guess I guess last last kind of piece is what 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 should people expect? What 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 kind of what what kind of content are you planning on on doing at the event at this point? And obviously, this could change and can grow into more content as as the next three weeks happen. But what what should people be expecting? Yeah, well, I mean, kind of like we've talked about, right? I I want, first and foremost, to share the coolest modern deck lists from the tournament, but not just dumping lists. Like, if I was doing official coverage, I have lots of other, you know, this is going to be one of the cool parts of this, is that I'm a little less tied down. I can I don't have all these back-end responsibilities eat up my time. So if I see something cool, we're going straight to that player, we're getting a deck tech, we're getting a list, we're sharing it. We're going to have um interviews throughout the weekend this is the big get together this is the biggest get together magic in at least two years so this is not just a modern tournament every uh, a lot of content creators everyone's going to be there so we're going to make sure um to to showcase some voices there but deckless deck techs on the mm twitter you're going to have uh the latest news coming from modern i mean this is we're going to be breaking some of the cool events that i can only hope live up to some of those stories we talked about before Oh, yeah. And and it's like this is the first this is the first big hurrah, really, that's focused on this kind of level. So it, it's going to be really, really hype. I'm, I'm super excited um, and, and, and excited that we can help you make all of this happen. Uh, you know, that's that's really the, the best part. Yeah, this is going to be um, it's going to be a lot of fun. And it's very nice. Um, like I said, there in the beginning, it's very validating to be doing this and to be doing it with you all this way. And I'm very excited to see what we're going to produce. So. I'm glad for modern to come back. I started doing mining modern forever ago and I've gotten new jobs that have kind of caused me to have to, you know, stop making some of that content. Um, but man, I love modern. I'm excited to see it back. Yeah. Same, same, super, super hyped for paper magic in general to be back in and especially modern. So, um, just, uh, if, if people want to find Corbin, there is a link below to find him. All the things that we mentioned before there are links to as well. Um, and, uh, just, just small, uh, you know, upkeep, uh, uh, I guess this is the end step <laughs> uh, part of the turn. Uh, we I, I came up with a game. It's called Battle Bosses. You can collect these really cool figures. Uh, they're one of the reasons we're able to afford and help uh, Corbin make all this happen this weekend. Uh, they're 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 a partial sponsor of this podcast, which is helping partially sponsor this event uh, coverage situation. You get different bosses. You get the battle bone play. If you like magic, it plays like that. It's kind of like a combination of magic and like action figures fighting each other. Um, there's a link below to that battlebosses.com. It's now we just re-updated the website so you can buy them now. They're available uh, to buy, which is really dope. And we'll have content for that. And I will have at Vegas. I'm going to bring a whole set. So 
uh, I'll be jamming games of that alongside um, all the other stuff from Commander to Artisan Commander, which is a whole new format that I've accidentally evented in the last three weeks that like now the discord has 300 people in it um, and i have to deal with that problem uh and am just doing all that kind of stuff uh next week we'll have uh nikachu on uh so i'm just trying to hit up all the the the, the main merfolk fans in the world You're not the best merfolk look i don't think anyone's ever put together the merfolk lineup you've had over the past month that's really between, the goal here uh, <laughs> that's 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 like like going into this whole thing people are like oh you know merfolk's bad i was like no i'm gonna get the three <laughs> i'm just saying just saying i got top 1000 in mythic last month with historic merfolk there, just saying i i i have no no arguments from me i have it sleeved up right there on that desk uh so so definitely uh make sure to listen next week and then and then throughout that week on our youtube channel there's going to be content on twitter there's going to be content so make sure that subscribe button we're super hyped and uh super glad to have corbin helping out and we'll we'll see you next week this has been a production of time traveler media sending podcasts into the future